welcome everyone to that special moment podcast. Today, I have the pleasure to have on board Mark Gilbert, an international life management coach, double with an inspired international keynote speaker. He will explain to you in a minute why he decided to dedicate his energy to life management coaching. Without further ado, let's meet him. Mark, welcome to the show. Nice to be with you. Thank you, Thank you very much, Mark. This is a question that I usually start with. I have introduced you to the show and for the people that does not yet know you, in your own words, who is Mark Gilbert? Mark Gilbert um, is a person who was born in Guernsey in the Channel Islands back in 1965. Uh, left there, I became a professional role hockey player, uh, sometime playing in Italy, and then I changed. <laughs> And um, I moved over to be a personal coach. I started my new career as a personal coach, uh, going all over the world, training with different people. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I developed my own program called Energizing the Business Athlete back in 1999. And that's what I've been doing ever since, uh, traveling the world and inspiring people the best I possibly can. Very nice. What a program. Uh, tell me, Mark, um, so you switch from sportsman to a coach, all right? So can you um, guide me through your personal development journey? So uh, specifically how you thought that becoming a life management coach was made for you? Or do you think you were made to, uh, to become a life management coach? Um, okay, if we start right back at the beginning, uh, mm -hmm. right back at the beginning when I was born in Guernsey, I came from a very dysfunctional family. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, I remember a very special moment in my life then when I was five years old. Uh, I was living with my grandparents at the time and uh, I was spending a lot of time in the garden and I was on their old rusty swing that they had in the garden. And I looked in the sky and I realized already that the cavalry wasn't coming to save me. Um, so I knew that if I wanted to make anything in my life, it was up to me. So already at that very young age, I became very independent. Right, um, right. And then basically, obviously, after going into sport and professional sport uh, and knowing that even through sport, you can inspire people through the, your own story in the sport, but mm -hmm. also when they come to watch you. Uh, basically, I, uh, I knew when I came out the, the, the professional sport that uh, I, wanted, you know, I was very interested in obviously in health and well-being. Uh, it inspired me. Um, it made me want to go deeper into that. And mm -hmm. that's really what made me go down the avenue of being a life coach. All right. It's quite an um, uh, impressive decision, five years old, and uh, you knew already, say, okay, this is, uh, uh, I take full responsibilities of my actions because that was it, right? Absolutely. That's the, that's the key. I mean, I think, you know, like I say, everyone has their own story. Um, mm -hmm. And I would certainly say my story may be not be in the same league as other people's stories, but that's irrelevant. Uh, as you say, it was a it, it was a very special moment, you know, being like I say, only being five years old, but very clear in my mind because obviously of the childhood that I was in uh, and uh, the environment that I was in, knowing that, like I say, if if I was going to achieve anything in my life, then mm -hmm. it was going to be up to me. Um, I had to take that responsibility. I embraced that decision at that very young age, and I've committed myself to it every every day since. Uh, and I had to get off the island, first of all, you know, to get mm -hmm, onto a mm -hmm. bigger island because I had to go from Guernsey to to, to the uh, to England, yeah. uh, obviously for the hockey. So, yeah, I mean, 
but it's it, like I say, those the, the, those young days, you know, my childhood, it defined me, it defined my values. Uh, like I say, it made me become very independent mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and to follow my path. All right. Do you think, Mark, that uh, at the age of five years when you have uh, you took this decision, what is was it a realization from your side or was it inspiration coming to you? Uh, I think both, to be honest with you. Certainly the realization, the realization, like I said, the, the situation that I mm-hmm. was in. Um, you know, like I say, I mean, I don't tell everybody the whole story, but, you know, my, my mother walked out when I was three years old and mm-hmm. my father, even though he did the very best he could, he was an alcoholic and uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. he was a, an aggressive alcoholic. So um, the situation I was in, you know, had no stability whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the first thing. And then, like I say, I just had this, I don't know, this inspiration inside me knowing that it was going to just be up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was going to depend also a lot on my attitude. And like I say, that seems to a lot of people a very strange thing to be thinking about when you're only five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it was, that, that was the start and the beginning for me. All right. And if you remember that time, was it a, an easy decision to take? Well, certainly easy decision in the respect, you know, having to, knowing that it was going to be up to me, yes, because to be honest with you, that's the only decision I could make. I, there was no other choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could have stayed on the island and maybe ended up as a nobody, um, mm-hmm. but that was never my goal. I knew I had, I don't know, I, I knew that there was going to be some enormous potential inside of me. And, yes. and I wanted to, you know, obviously I was going to grow and, I would want to share that uh, potential with other people. But uh, to do that, uh, like I say, it was going to take a lot of effort, a lot of hard work. Uh, there was going to be no support behind me. There's going to be no family support behind mm-hmm. me. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, like I say, that's uh, exactly what I did. And I just went off on that path. All right. And now if we jump to your um, professional career, when we were making and preparing this um, episode, you told me that... Uh, Uh, there was a time um, in your life that you were very, very fit, but not healthy. Can you can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I find yeah. it very interesting. Yeah, it's actually it's a it's a it's a subject that interests a lot of people that I speak to all over the world. It's something I always talk about in presentations and mm-hmm. workshops. Uh, basically, that happened after I had finished playing professional hockey, and I actually came into Switzerland. Um, And I got myself involved in this crazy world of doing triathlons and mm-hmm. what we call duathlon. So duathlon is basically the same as triathlon, but you just take away the swim and you just include another run. So you yeah. run your bike and you run again. And obviously competing in a lot of these World Series races and the World Long Distance Championships, etc. Right. Um, the problem being was, is that obviously it was all long distance uh, races. So it took a lot of training. Uh, so you're looking at something between 20, 25 hours of training per week. Uh-huh. Uh, that's on top of running my own business at the time where I was doing personal coaching, mm-hmm. uh, which was also taking uh, a lot of energy, a lot of time, um, and also a, a large responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, trying to maintain a social life. Um, something had to break, and obviously it was me. <laughs> uh, I was just living my life in the fast lane like so many people today and many people that I talk to. 
And I actually push myself into this zone, which is what we call the exhaustion zones. It's the zone before you get to burnout. All right. I was feeling tired constantly. Um, didn't really feel like training, but pushed myself through it. Uh, had what we call scattered thinking. Uh, really couldn't concentrate on things, etc. And then I just woke up one morning and realized I really had to turn my life around. Otherwise, this could be the end. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, that's exactly what I did. So that's why I say, you know, fitness doesn't guarantee health. So you can be fit, but not healthy. And what I mean by that is it doesn't really matter how many push-ups you can do, how fast you can run, how much weight you can lift. If your adrenal glands are exhausted, if your liver is stressed and your immune system is weak, Mm-hmm. Um, then you're never going to be in good health and you're never going to function at your optimal efficiency. Mm-hmm. Also something which is uh, very important um, as we speak about performance, it's, um, it's a sleep, all right? And this is a, a topic that you like very much, right? Absolutely. This is my, one of my favorite topics. And uh, uh, sleep has become in the high-end uh, sport or have a high uh, competitive professionals um, or Premier League, something very important. Uh, if we look about, uh, uh, if we speak about football, um, they have like uh, some people only dedicated to check that uh, the players have their, uh, their sleep um, uh, quota filled up every, every single week. Uh, can you, in a few words, explain what, why that is so important? Well, obviously, for a sports athlete, just like a business athlete, the people in the corporate world, this is critically important, um, obviously, for recovery and making sure you recover from the stresses that are mm-hmm. obviously put on, side, on, on the body. Um, you know, what you just mentioned there about the sports athletes, they have what they call sleep coaches or chrono coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you'll find, for example, with the sports athletes, they will not be told about sleeping in hours. They will be told about sleeping in cycles. Um, which is obviously a technique that I share, obviously, with lots of people too. But the reason why also is that even if you had come to me a few years, well, a few years ago, I say 10, 15 years ago, and you said, Mark, what would you believe would be the top pillars of health? Mm-hmm. I, like anybody, would have said to you, like exercise and nutrition and other things too. And I would have kind of put sleep low down on the priority list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after these last 15 years and all the research I've done on it, it will supersede everything else simply because it impacts every single aspect of our health. So from your reproductive health right through to your neurological health, it mm-hmm. will, can really be impacted by a, a, a lack of sleep or what we call sleep deprivation. And if you look in the corporate world, for example, today, I mean, the cost of it, you know, sleep deprivation is costing U.S. companies billion a year in lost productivity. Mm -hmm, Now, notice mm -hmm. I said there, billion, not million. Yeah, yeah, I understood. When you break that figure down, that's around $2,280 per employer or more than 11 working days lost per employee per year. Um, So it's very significant. But the impact on the health, uh, like I say, is is very significant, critically important for, uh, like I say, for recovery and for making sure that we uh, we can work at our maximum potential. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, now the the most important factor is sleep. Absolutely, sleep is the the, the number one subject. But, you know, because, like I said to you, it impacts every single aspect of your health. If you look at your mental health, uh, which there's many people with problems with that today, especially during these past three years, uh, your emotional health as well, especially it it all comes down to sleep. 
So making sure you protect sleep is critically important. Uh, understanding what your chronotype is. You know, mm -hmm. I would say this is one of the most important subjects that should be discussed in modern day business, meaning whether you're one of these, what they classify as a morning person or an evening person. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is so important. You know, for example, when I'm talking to HR people, uh, I would say to them, you know, when you're doing a job interview, and especially if that uh, position involves person working with different markets, then make sure you also ask the person, what is their chronotype? Because mm -hmm. that will have a massive impact on how those people will think, feel, feel and perform and on their health and well-being in general. Um, so, yes, it's, uh, it's very impactful. If, like I say, if you look at things like chronotype, your working schedule, how you align your working schedule with your natural energy rhythms. You know, don't schedule a key meeting at 8.30 in the morning if some of the people in your team are what we call night people or night owls because they're not going to come or be awake till about 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, there are certain times during the day where let's just say, you know, next week you needed to schedule a couple of meetings, important meetings. Then there's a couple of times during the day where both of these dominating chronotypes, the, 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 they will overlap. So I would say if you had to schedule a key meeting, any time between 10.30 in the morning to around 12.30 at lunchtime and between three and five in the afternoon. Outside of those two windows, obviously one of those uh, chronotypes is going to be more dominant than the other. Um, mm -hmm. So as you can see, it plays a major role when you're looking at uh, business performance. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting what, what you just said. Uh, do you believe in companies they should build team, um, teams um, in, in alignment with their chronotype? Absolutely. Um, certainly build the teams aligned to the chronotype. And once again, like I said to you, if you've got people in that team having to work with, you know, different markets, um, then it's vitally important. You know, just a quick true story, but some years ago when I was doing a, a project for a, a big multinational in mm -hmm. China, and one of the HR directors there, she was saying to me that her boss uh, or her previous boss in the previous company Uh, he was 42 years old, and they actually found him one morning slumped over his desk dead. Uh -huh. And he had died of a heart attack, and there were no cardiovascular risk, cardiovascular, uh, risk factors related to this person before he had the heart attack. But what they did find out was is the nine months leading up to that heart attack, this person was being forced to work with both markets simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So this is what we call chronic chronomisalignment. Uh, so we have to be very, very careful. That's, that's something uh, uh, to consider. I mean, um, a question related to the chronotype and team efficiency. Do you believe that it's better to have a team um, composed of the same chronotype persons? Depending uh, on, on, let's say, for example, you have, um, you have very... Um, high-performing and individuals, but they are all from different chronotypes. Is it better to have a mixed team of different high-performing and uh, completely opposite chronotype, or to have uh, people of the same chronotype, but not on the high end of the performance ladder? What is more efficient for a company to the long run? What do you believe? I would say a mixture of both. Yeah. Um, There's no question about that. And like I say, once again, especially if that team requires working with different markets, that's why you would certainly need a, a combination of the two. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can certainly have all being one, one chronotype. Uh, but once again, there, if that team is working with separate markets or different markets, then uh, that's going to cause problems because it's going to affect the health and well-being of those people. Understood. Let's jump to your uh, keynote uh, speaker side of things. How did you um, became an international keynote speaker? Was it something that was dear to your heart or this was something that you said, um, I have to do that to get more exposure for my business? Well, it uh, it was never planned. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Um, it all started where I was had my own personal coaching um, center at the time yeah. here in Switzerland, and just one of the clients asked me one day. He said, "Would you mind coming one lunchtime in Geneva and doing a speech uh, in front of you know, some of our employees?" Um, and I said, "Okay," and I just kind of threw something together and went there and just did the speech. Now, like. Mm-hmm. Most people, I was very nervous doing it initially, even though I played in front of big crowds before as a, as a professional sportsman. But um, And I, I just did this speech and uh, I saw that it was uh, well received and the people were very receptive to what All I had right. to say. Um, and that then made me go away and say, okay, instead of me doing the personal coaching, how could I start sharing my messages with a larger audience? Mm-hmm. That's really where it all came from. And that's when I actually started to design the Energizing the Business Athlete program. Um, and that, like I say, that started back in 1999 and it's still a work in progress today. So that's where I started. Very nice. Uh, you mentioned um, briefly that uh, you were, um, uh, you, you were, when we, you had to, to do, to deliver this, those talks uh, or this particular talk, the first one at least, um, uh, you feel fear. And I would like to ask you, what, it, what is the most difficult to, um, uh, to overcome? Is it the f- fear of failure or the fear of success? Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm not really bothered about either one of them. Actually, it's mm-hmm. an interesting question because we say there about you know, sitting behind the, the curtain, waiting to go on stage to speak. And actually, it's... It's not a feeling of fear. It's actually, for me, I actually turn that around. It's a feeling of excitement. All right. All right. So, you know, I don't care how good you are. Anybody would tell you, even the greatest speakers in the world, they'll have some butterflies. But we just transform that from being fear into excitement because actually the the, the responses you get in your body are exactly the same. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't never have no fear of failure because... One of the key messages I would say to people when I begin any kind of speech is that, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm not there to be liked. Mm-hmm, uh, I'm not mm-hmm. a person. I'm not a person that comes along and communicates to people what they want to hear. All right. uh, I think any fool can do that. Uh, but I am there to communicate what we need to hear. And obviously, you can imagine what we need to hear and what we want to hear are two very different things. So you mm-hmm. may completely disagree with what I have to say. And I have absolutely no problem with that. Um, but what I do ask the people is, is that when they do go away from the session, um, just make sure that they take full responsibility for the consequences of their inaction. And there will be consequences both short and long term, but minimum, they know that that's their choice and it's not being imposed. So I have no problem with people rejecting what I have to say. And uh, so I understand you overcome this feeling of fear uh, for you, 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 you turn it around um, as a feeling of um, excitement, all right? But how do you uh, keep in check those feelings? Because 
if you are overexcited, it will drain a lot of energy from your body and from your mind. So how do you how do you manage the right level of excitement, and um, uh, and you say and um, uh, and to keep in check those emotions? Yeah, it's, it's you're absolutely right. These emotions they need to be controlled. So you know, as you just said there, yes, you know, uh, excitement is going to drain your energy, just like fear would drain your energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fear would have more of an impact also on your health and well-being in a negative way too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I get excited, but it's controlling that excitement. I mean, I, like I said, I just go out there and look at the situations that this is an opportunity to inspire these people that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't go beyond that. Um, obviously, when I speak as well, I'm very authentic. And I, I am a person with a lot of energy when I speak. Uh, mm-hmm. And people often say to me, they feel that, soon as I walk in the room. Um, but um, I, I don't try and suppress it neither. Like I say, I just try and be me. I don't want to be anybody else. But uh, I just look at it as a situation. This is an opportunity to inspire people. So enjoy this opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I understand from what you're telling me so far, Sam, you need a lot of self-confidence to do what you're doing. Because to be able to coach people, you need to be able to... Um, uh, to be sure of your uh, competencies and to be sure that you are you will be able to to help these these persons and i would like to know where did you find your self confidence is there a recipe or is just uh, practice you just said the the last word practice that's all it is you know, self-confidence is about practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting what we just said there about fear going onto a stage, for example. So if you yeah. just think about the emotion of fear, I mean, most people don't understand it's actually sending you a very important message. Mm-hmm. And that message is get prepared and do something. All right. Um, so, for example, let's just say next week you've got a presentation to do in front of the executive board. But at the moment, you've done nothing about it whatsoever. You're going to start feeling some fear inside. Mm -hmm. That fear is very useful if you understand the message it's sending you, which is get yourself prepared. And what happens if you start preparing yourself for that presentation and and you practice it, then within 24 hours before you do that presentation, what happens? Self-confidence goes up and fear dissipates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now, if you you can elaborate, how did you... Uh, train yourself. Okay, I understand it's practice, it's practice. Um, both sides, how do you improve the professional and how do you improve the man? Um, I've got this, first of all, I've always, I've always had this very large appetite to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a person that believes I know it all because I certainly don't. Um, so I have this, let's say, this hunger to continuously read and research every day. Um, and then once again, with these new learnings and the, the, the stuff that I find, uh, I always, first of all, ask myself, does this make common sense to me? And mm-hmm, that's the mm-hmm. most important thing I would say. And then I start practicing and I put it together in my presentations. Um, and like I say, I'm, I get myself prepared. So I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I would say a, a lunatic, I would say for preparation and practicing, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I would say that's that's my. It's a very simple way of approaching it, but that's exactly what I do. Uh, but like I say having this appetite, or some people might consider it to be the growth mindset. Yes, um, yeah. that's typical me. Um, 
And so I keep learning. You know, if, if I go and listen to other people speaking about the subject that I talk about. All right. Now, yes, maybe I know a lot of what they're going to talk about, but I also know that there's going to be one thing in that presentation that I'm going to take away mm-hmm. if my mind mm-hmm. is open to take that, that point away. So that's, that's the way I approach it. All right. So if I resume, so um, for you, the most important thing or factor is not what you know, but it is what you don't know yet, right? Absolutely. Okay, good. And uh, uh, what what will be an an advice or um, um, a recipe um, that you will will give to somebody who wants to start a coaching business or want to start to be a keynote speaker, doesn't know um, where to start? Um... I would just say, first of all, it's got to be something that you love to do. Mm-hmm. You've got to know why you're doing it. Mm. You know, what's, what's the purpose behind you doing it? Is it because you want to make lots of money mm-hmm. uh, or is it because of something else? You know, it's, it's a yeah. very interesting question because I remember a few, some years ago now, um, and I was working on some senior leadership program And there was a professor coming from a business school to talk to these senior leaders about purpose. And um, they they all came in the room and the the professor, I just stopped him just before in the room and said, do you mind if I sit in the the back and just listen to this presentation? Mm -hmm. Uh, I said, because it sounds like it's going to be interesting. He said, sure. And we just quickly introduced ourselves. And then he walked in the room and the first thing he said to these participants, these leaders was, what's your purpose? Mm-hmm. And the whole room went silent um, and there was absolutely no answer. Mm-hmm. And so there was like total silence and he just waited for some seconds. And then he looked at me at the back and he looked and said, Mark, what's your purpose? And I just looked straight at him without any hesitation. I said, well, adding value to other people's lives through good character and pure motives. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So, you know, my advice to anyone is you've got to know why you want to do it. And my reason for doing it is I want to add value to other people's lives. And I think if you want to be a keynote speaker or you want to be a coach, uh, that has to be really at the top of your priority list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something also which uh, is very difficult to overcome for a lot of people, and I'm sure you've been faced with this time and over in your um, uh, coaching business, um, what do you do uh, or what advice you, uh, you give to people who, to get rid of their procrastination? Uh, it's, a, it's another also interesting question. I mean, you know, I think one of the biggest things today is people, first of all, have to be good at setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. And they're very importantly understanding what your responsibilities are and what are not your responsibilities and having the ability to use this word no. And Mm -hmm. even saying no to the things that are also important, because there's no way you're going to get done all the things that you really want to do. Mm -hmm. So you have to have this ability to to say no, even to some of the things that you even want to do or you feel that's important for you to do. Um, But I think one of the biggest things today, which uh, a lot of people struggle with, like I say, is is setting boundaries um, so they can stay focused on what they really need to focus on. But uh, like I say, learning to say no is critical, but remember the word no is also confrontational. But uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, having that ability to say no with yourself uh, is very important. All right. All right. 
Now I have this question that I love to ask my guests is what it is like to be Mark Gilbert? Um, what is it like to be Mark Gilbert? I would say to be me is uh, to be energized, to be happy, joyful, and knowing that every opportunity you meet someone is an opportunity to help them change their life. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Uh, tell me now, um, maybe a topic you would like to share with uh, the audience that is close, of course, to your heart, but uh, that we haven't touched so far? Uh, I think one that, you know, it's, it's really coming down to my, I'd say my uh, personal and professional goals, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, because uh, first and foremost, if I think about my personal goals, uh, uh, in I think it was back in 2013, um, I read a book. Uh, this book was called Purpose Driven Life by uh, Pastor Rick Warren. Yes. Um, and it made me realize that I've been flexing most of my muscles, but hadn't really been flexing my spiritual muscle. All right. Um, so I think, uh, you know, that's a, a thing that's very close to my heart. And it's one of really my personal goals is to improve my uh, spiritual growth um, and to continue living my purpose and to understand why I'm here. And I think, right. secondly, um, you know, when you say that about obviously, uh, well, I say about goals, I think another thing that's very close to my heart is that the moment I'm also now developing a new program, a new online program. All right. Uh, which is going to be called Own Your Health for Life. Um, so it's going to be around 10 different modules. But this, I think, will be the best work that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of work, still got a lot of work to do to complete it. But uh, this is very close to my heart. And that's, uh, like I say, it's, it, it will challenge people's philosophy about health and how they think about health and disease. Um, but that's what I want to share with people. That's fantastic. That's look, a uh, very interesting uh, program. So now, um, for the people interested to know more about uh, you, what you do, where can they find this information, please? I think the best thing or the best place to find me would be at the website. So www.energizingthebusinessathlete.com. Energizing by the word, energizing there with a Z, not with an S. All right. So everything... uh, Uh, together, no space, no underscore, no space, whatsoever. Nothing, everything together, energizing the business athlete.com. All right, fantastic. Good. So, Mark, I would like to thank you very much for the special moment I spent with you. Very interesting uh, conversation. And uh, foremost, I wish you the success you rightly so deserve. Thank you also for inviting me. It's been a great pleasure. The pleasure has been mine. Thank you once again, Mark. Goodbye now.